So, baseball is still chugging along. Despite two significant outbreaks and a lot of concern the sport wouldn't be able to get through the season, we are now in the stretch run. Padre, two hits of both lefty wall yard. High fly ball, deep right field. I thought he got it all off the bat. Car rushed. Right field, Tatis. And baseball has reportedly announced its plan for October. A bubble of sorts, anyways. Two ballparks in Texas for the Division Series and LCS on the National League side, and two ballparks in Southern California for the same rounds of the American League playoffs, with the World Series scheduled to take place at Globe Life Field in Arlington. So, will it work? I'm Dan Schulman, and this is A Swing and a Belt. And so the reality of it is right now, this could not possibly have started worse. The idea that this has already gotten to a point where they had to cancel a, a minimum of one baseball game tonight, and maybe there will be more cancellations today. It was easy to foresee, and if they don't have a plan ready to go, I don't think it's overstating it to say everything hangs in the balance this quickly. Andrew Morris is a professor of infectious diseases at the Sinai Health University Health Network at the University of Toronto. He has been on the front lines of the pandemic in Canada from the outset and has been a contributor to a variety of platforms in the Rogers Sportsnet family, both in print and on radio over the last several months. You also have to respect his jump shot out to about 18 feet, and every now and again, he'll take you off the dribble as well. How you doing, Andrew? I'm great. Andrew and I play a little pickup basketball uh, every now and again from time to time. Let me ask you from your professional vantage point, are you surprised that baseball has made it this far? To be honest, I am. I actually thought that it was probably, of all the major uh, professional sports, the worst laid out plan of all. And I'm really quite amazed that they've made it this far. But I guess at some point, uh, the players and other team personnel realized that they had to make some changes. And uh, I'm actually glad that we're here. What was it, if you go back, what was it in your mind that made it the worst laid out plan of any of the professional sports? Well, you know, the way this virus spreads, obviously, is when people intermingle. And not only did you have intermingling, but there are so many players and teams that were in hot spots around the United States, especially a month ago, where it's certainly simmered down now, but Texas, California, Arizona, Florida, all these places were literally filled with areas infected with COVID. And it was inconceivable that players wouldn't be exposed and infected and then bring it back onto the field. Tonight, there are serious questions in the sports world about whether Major League Baseball can go on. Sunday, just minutes before the Miami Marlins were set to take on the Philadelphia Phillies, several Marlins players tested positive for COVID-19. And today, baseball has confirmed at least 14 members of the Marlins, including 11 players, have tested positive. I mean, we've had two significant outbreaks, but how do you think we managed to avoid having more in baseball or having the, the sport shut down? Well, I think that baseball in itself as a sport naturally is a sport that doesn't lend itself to transmitting infection. Mm -hmm. The infection in baseball is going to be transmitted in the clubhouse and in the change rooms. And I think what we've seen is, you know, a, a tightening up by teams to prevent transmission outside of the field of play. And I think that's probably made the biggest difference overall is just, you know, teams recognizing that this could be a real problem off the field. When the Canadian government decided not to allow the Blue Jays the right to play in Toronto, is it fair to say that as someone who works on what you do, 
that you were in favor of their decision, that you, you did not think the Blue Jays should be allowed to play their home games in Canada? After provincial and city health officials gave the Blue Jays their blessing to hold regular season games here in Toronto, the federal government weighed in on Saturday and it wasn't the news many people expected. Immigration Minister Marco Mendicino said Canada would not issue a national interest exemption for Major League Baseball regular season games at this time. Oh, absolutely. I thought the concept of bringing potentially infected people from outside the country into the country without quarantine was the wrong thing to do. And if they were going to allow that to happen, I think it was going to increase the likelihood that we were going to have greater problems uh, in Toronto for sure. Were you surprised that the municipal and the provincial government signed off on it? <laughs> I was totally surprised. In fact, I can't really understand why they would have signed off on it because with all infectious disease and public health principles, nothing was being followed by the plan that baseball was proposing. So it doesn't surprise me at all. So let's look forward. Reportedly, baseball is going to use four ballparks for its playoffs in October. Two in Texas, uh, one in Arlington and one in Houston for the National League playoffs, and then two in Southern California, one in LA, one in San Diego for the American League playoffs. So they're calling that a bubble. In your mind, though, is that a bubble like the NBA and the NHL have been able to set up for their postseasons? Well, you know, we haven't seen full details about it. And I think the concept of having two different locations for the playoffs, very similar to what the NHL is doing, makes a lot of sense. But the devil is in the details. And the details that really matter is what are all the players and team personnel going to be doing between games? Right? Are they going to be truly inside a bubble like they have been in the NHL, the NBA, or other professional sports that have been successfully bubbled? Or are they really just keeping all the teams in one locale, having them sleep in the same place, but not being tight restrictions? I have to believe that it's going to be the former, and they're going to um, place tight restrictions on all team personnel. I can only hope so, because otherwise it's going to be doomed. So in your mind, you would be okay with them going to the ballpark, going back on the team bus to the hotel, and that's it. They don't go anywhere other than a hotel and a ballpark while they're in whatever city they're in. Yeah, I think so. I think a new bubble for playoffs in baseball, which is different than what's happened in the NBA and the NHL, is it's going to be following the season. And so what they're going to have to do is in some way have a period of quarantine as teams enter the bubble. You have to assume that at least one player or you know, a team staff is infected. And so you're going to have to treat that accordingly. And you're going to have to have some kind of quarantine period before you start play within the bubble with repeated testing to ensure that everyone's safe, even though they've been doing repeated testing up till now. So that's where it gets really tricky. And you talk about the devil being in the details. So Apparently, this plan is being considered for the Division Series and the League Championship Series and then on into the World Series. But prior to that, there's this new two out of three round. There are 16 teams in the playoffs, which means there will be eight first round series. And those are going to be played at the ballpark of the team that is the higher seed. So theoretically, you could have American League playoff games in Tampa Bay, Minneapolis, Chicago and Oakland four two out of three series going in those four cities and in the national league you could have it say in atlanta and chicago and los angeles and san diego and then the winners would go directly from there to their respective bubbles and start play i guess just a couple of days later that's not really foolproof is it no and like i said i, I wouldn't recommend that 
almost certainly they are going to be doing aggressive testing, but testing alone isn't going to prevent disease from spreading inside a bubble. Testing is only so good, and testing in some ways is a second, third, or even fourth line of defense. And so what they really need to be doing is ensuring that anyone who enters the bubble is A, unlikely to be infected, and then B, once they're in the bubble, they need to keep all players pretty isolated while they're in the bubble, quarantined and tested, and then they need to really behave as what we do in hospitals. They have to be really aggressive. This is almost creating like a a cruise ship scenario, right? So what they're doing, what you're describing is sort of like a cruise ship. You bring everyone onto the cruise ship and, you know, you just hope for the best. But you can't really do that safely unless you impose very strict restrictions, including not having uh, people in the same clubhouse and uh, or, you know, shared facilities until you're certain that everyone is free of disease. Right. They should be able to do that. So if they use, uh, once you get to the division series, there are four different series going on. And one will be in Houston, one will be in Arlington, one will be in LA, and one will be in San Diego. But we said with the first round, teams will be showing up there. So let's say the Blue Jays and the Yankees are going to play in a second round series in San Diego. Once they fly to San Diego, you talk about very tight restrictions. Do you think they have to be isolated for a certain number of days before they can start playing games? Or is it okay to start playing games like on the second day after they arrive? Well, they've been doing that so far, right? Like all teams have been playing against each other so far. So this is not necessarily anything different. The only problem really is what is the physical structure of being inside the bubble? Right. And so I'm not worried about what's happening on the field. What I'm most concerned about is what's happening off the field. And is there any chance that there will be any intermingling between players and opposing players or different team personnel? That's really the worry. And, you know, we know that in other bubbles, other teams were eventually intermingling, but that's because they had already eliminated disease. So it was safe for players um, from different teams to be, you know, talking to each other, having meals, et cetera. You're not going to be able to do that with baseball. Silly question maybe for you, but the, the ballpark in Houston has a retractable roof. The other three that are reportedly being considered, well, I guess Arlington has one as well. So the, the two yeah. Texas ballparks have retractable roofs, whereas LA and San Diego are open ballparks. In your mind, does it make any appreciable difference whether games are played in a closed dome or with the roof open? No, I don't think so. I, th- I think the, like I said, the, the risk of transmission on the field is so low right. that I'm not worried about ventilation in any way. Is the NBA kind of the model for how this is done? I know you're a, a very big basketball fan. That's the professional sport that you follow most closely. Have they been kind of the, uh, the gold standard in terms of how to get this going? The schedule will be tight. The rules strict. The protocols strictly enforced. Regular coronavirus testing. Mass worn when off the court. No exceptions. Want to leave campus? That's cool. But there's a mandatory quarantine period upon return. Oh, yeah, I I think so. They've done really an amazing job, not only in creating a livable bubble, which I think is, again, going to be part of the challenges that baseball is going to face. But, you know, they've partnered with Yale University for testing of COVID-19. And on top of that, they've really thought about how to deal with uh, families as well. 
you know, I, I think the NHL has also done a really good job. And, and to be honest, the WNBA and Major League Soccer have also been really successful. So I think that, you know, just the concept of the bubble is what's been the most important part of this, including making sure that you have a quarantine period. And, you know, I can't overstate the importance of that quarantine period. You know, one of the things that I think baseball has to be thinking about is, you know, going into the bubble, what are players going to be doing? Right. So you've got, you know, young, affluent athletes. Are they going to, you know, socially isolate or continue to do what they've been doing or knowing that they may be in a bubble for, you know, 40, 50, 60 days? Are they going to be really social before they leave in anticipation of, of being in a bubble? So that's why all these things are really important. And considering the importance of quarantining is really huge here. I would guess because it's the playoffs, you know, the teams that are still remaining, the stakes are higher, they're closer to the finish line, the motivation to not stray is stronger. And really, by the time they get into the bubble for a division series, you're probably looking at a three to four week period until then, until the end of the World Series. So maybe that's enough to motivate them. So I hope uh, so. Yep. Big picture. Where is Canada relative to where it was a couple of months ago? Not March, but are we trending in a positive or negative direction? And where are the states that you, some of the hotspot states that you talked about, like California and Texas, where are they relative to where they were a couple of months ago? Canada is doing, unfortunately, worse than we were a couple of months ago. We're on the upswing and are continuing to trend upwards. It's not totally surprising. It is disappointing pretty well all infectious diseases uh, display exponential growth. So early on, the rise is pretty gradual. The fear, of course, is that you're going to start increasing that slope dramatically. And uh, hopefully we won't get that way in in Canada. But that is everyone's fear because that is generally what happens. And we're seeing this in other places around the world. In, you know, Texas and California, I, I think we can say that They've passed the worst so far, at least, you know, and they've definitely stemmed the tide a bit better, obviously, because of some public health measures. On top of that, just, you know, a public that's being a bit more compliant and, uh, you know, at least a better governmental response. Uh, But they're definitely not out of the woods. And I think what would be great to see is even more aggressive stances on, you know, public health measures and, you know, wider access to testing. Do you foresee the Canadian-U.S. border being closed to the extent that it is now for several more months? At least several more months, I would say. And that's necessary? Well, you know, what is necessary is really unclear, right? And I think it has to do with risk tolerance, and it's also what different societies and governments value. So in, in my mind, it's necessary, but I know other people would say that it's not. I think most people... Certainly most experts in Canada have a similar mindset to mine that we really need to get our cases as low as possible, even just to manage this, because it's a disease that can take off like a wildfire. You want to have as few embers out in the field as possible, because uh, the more that you have out there, the greater the likelihood that one will catch fire and uh, lead to a big forest fire. Do you fear that once the weather cools off, we get into October, November, the, you know, the second wave flu season, do you fear that that will contribute to, to more issues as well in the next few months? You know, I think it's, it's really unknown. It's probable, but it's uncertain. You know, it's definitely not the temperature factor in and of itself. I think it has to do with people having to be indoors more, congregating more. You know, I think that's the real challenge. And if we can get 
people to still try and tolerate and even enjoy being outside with, with a variety of different sort of changes to our lifestyle, I think that will make a really big difference. Andrew, if we were to look ahead to next April when the 2021 baseball season is supposed to start, and I know this is difficult to predict that far in the future, but do you foresee fans in the stands at ballparks? Will the Blue Jays be allowed to play in Toronto? Is there any way for you to make any kind of a guess as to what it'll look like? Well, you're right. You know, seven months is a really long period of time with this pandemic. You know, seven months in COVID time is probably, you know, in science and medicine is about, you know, three to four years. But I think, first of all, we'll have better and newer technologies. Both testing will be more widely and readily available and hopefully would include home testing and point of care testing so that either people just before going to the game would have a test, preferably not only would they test themselves, but they'd be able to uh, send in the results that would allow them to be admitted to the ballpark, or they would have something on their phone, let's say, that they would show at the ballpark to say, here, I've tested negative. On top of that, what you'll see is teams and stadiums being able to trace everyone who gets into the facility so that if they are exposed to COVID-19, the stadium personnel will be able to link up with public health and track everyone who may have been exposed very rapidly so that you don't have these major outbreaks like what happened in uh, that soccer match in uh, Bergamo, Italy, that started a lot of this. I think that a lot of things will be for the better and we'll probably be able to get some semblance of fans back in stadiums, especially outdoor stadiums. I think you're not going to see fans huddled together in the same way that we do now. So you're almost certainly going to have alternate seating. So stadium capacity is going to be reduced at least by 50%, if not more. And, you know, back to the issue of whether we'll have movement across borders. I'd love to see that. Again, like I said, I think that with improved testing and improved technologies, we should be able to get to more normalcy. And who knows what's going to happen between now and then regarding vaccination, because obviously vaccination can make a huge difference on how we control this disease. So it'd be great to see an effective vaccine that's already rolled out. Yeah, it would be. Boy, this is all so daunting and challenging. And I know you know that better than any of us, but uh, there's just so much still to be learned about this virus over the coming months and years. Last one, when our mutual friend Jeff says, okay, guys, let's go. It's time to resume our pickup basketball game. You're going to be comfortable doing that? Um, not yet, um, <laughs> but but soon. Hopefully, I'll get to cover you and not some guys a little bit faster than me. But uh, <laughs> that's nice. definitely, I'd like to see that. Uh, yeah, there are a couple of guys in our pickup game who don't cover people within six feet anyway, so it won't change anything. No names, but we both know who I'm talking about, so but it won't change anything about the way they play. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Andrew, I appreciate this. Uh, my best to you and your family. Stay safe, and I look forward to seeing you. Likewise. Take care. So, as we heard from Andrew... The plans seem sound, but as he said, the devil is in the details. How careful will the players be? How much will they have to quarantine and isolate? Will they be allowed outside of the hotel and the ballpark? Hopefully, once we get to that point of the season and you're down to just the last, say, eight teams that are competing in the playoffs, everyone's sense of awareness will be heightened. People will take fewer risks, if any, and knock on wood, baseball will get this over the finish line all the way to the end of the World Series. That's what we're hoping for anyways. That'll do it for this episode of A Swing and a Bell, produced by Christian Ryan. 
Dan Schulman saying thank you for listening and hope you'll join us again next time.